epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome in another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. Thank you, Smith, at headquarters here in Atlanta. My main man, Lang Whitaker, oh. in New York, back from the road. Um, little... Uh, Road trip action earlier in the week in Denver, Lang. You uh, you recovered from your frozen golf adventure. <laughs> I I I, mean, it was, I thought it was a smart move to wear a Denver Nuggets sweatshirt because <laughs> we were playing golf with Danilo Gallinari. Uh, the, the the smart move would have been to wear something other than a sweatshirt, though. <laughs> that was all I had on, and it was forty degrees and it was freezing. <laughs> um, so uh, I did like Gallo. He was like he was up for it after we played one hole. They were like, maybe that's enough. And Gallo's like, hey man, you guys got me out here. Let's keep going. <laughs> he was horrible, by the way. Much love well, to I, him, but but neither one of you guys are very good. At golf, from what I can tell. Playing golf in forty degree weather is like you know trying to uh, cut a steak with a fork. Don't it's blame like, the elements, man. Don't blame the brutal. elements. Rise, rise above, man. Rise above. At least, at least we tried. Hey, I, I never said I was going to try to play. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> I only play games I can win. Yeah, like bragging rights. But that's we'll talk about that later. Um, postponed game in Philly on Wednesday night, kind of. Missing out on the process took a little bit out of my Wednesday night. Um, I wanted to see what Joel Embiid was going to do uh, against Big Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins. But uh, we'll have to see the Sixers and Kings another time. Um, game of the night, of course. If, you, if you're looking at an awesome Wednesday night slate of games in the NBA, was that Wolves-Knicks game. Um, yeah. And uh, a guy you've been talking about, obviously, for long, you know, for weeks and I, I know you got something in the works with him. Is Kristaps Porzingis had a monster game again, um, and Big Cat Carl Anthony Towns went to work, career high forty seven points going on, just just eighteen rebounds, a couple of yeah. assists, three blocks. You know, no big deal. Um, but let's talk the future. The, those two guys in particular, and, and certain other young stars around the league, um, with our man Zach Harper and uh, Zach. I, I know you out on the West Coast or close enough to it to call it the West Coast. Um, when you watch these young guys, when you, you're seeing what Porzingis and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Giannis and these guys are doing, does it make you think about just what the league will look like in, say, five or six years when LeBron and some of those guys are maybe phasing out of the league and these guys are moving into those, you know, those main positions as the face of the, of the NBA? Yeah, it it's fun. One, thanks for having me on. Uh, it too, like yeah, it's just fun, right? Like it, it you can kind of pick apart the games, like oh, Giannis, you know, can't really shoot all that well. Oh, Chris Depps needs to get stronger. You know, Cat needs to defend the rim better. Whatever, like you can kind of pick apart their games if you want to. But for the most part, I just watch them in awe. Like I'm watching Chris Depps as sort of like the third option, I guess maybe the second option on the Knicks most nights, and he's just dropping, you know, twenty, twenty five, twenty nine, thirty points. 
casually. Like it's all, <laughs> it's also casual for him. It yeah, makes me think right. like I would love to see a team run their offense through Chris Stapps just exclusively and get him 30 shots a game and see what could happen. And, <laughs> you know, Giannis like playing point center forward, whatever you're throwing him at um, and what he could do defensively. And, and just the fact that he can make up half, half the length of the court in like two and a half steps is it just, you know, it looks like a Tim Burton cartoon or something like it's just crazy. And then cat, like, I don't know, like other than like maybe rim protection and the occasional outlet pass. I look at, I look at cat and I'm just like, what does he do wrong? Like not even, or what does he do mildly wrong? Like he's just so good. And so, uh, ready made for this next era of the NBA that, yeah, I just, I just watch it and kind of giggle and just think like, this is stupid. This is so fun. It's, it's stupid. First of all, I think you stole my, my, uh, Porzingis, Jack Skellington lookalike sort of there, but, uh, <laughs> I, think I, might have. <laughs> but, uh I, I do think, you know, we were talking about these, these guys who are these, these kind of freaks, these, you know, cat Porzingis, John Gian, Giannis. Um, you can also throw Anthony Davis in there, Joel Embiid, these guys who, kind of transcend position with with this crazy combination of size and speed the the one thing that i t- jumped out at me last night though is out of all those guys and you talked about uh porzingis not being the first option on the team you know when the knicks needed a bucket down the stretch they went to mellow and he got a bucket to win the game those other guys like if you need a basket at the end of the game with on the bucks you're going to give it to Giannis and see what he can do or the the pelicans are going to give it to anthony davis um i think in a, in a weird way maybe porzingis benefits from from playing alongside Melo and and not having to take those shots at the end of the game and not having to have the offense run through him and he can sort of sit back a little bit and not be expected to do as much as these other guys can right away yeah and you can kind of see him like maybe pick his spots of when to be that freak in those situations yeah. it wasn't the last shot where Melo made it but uh you know possession or two earlier the Knicks missed a shot and Gorgie Jang went up for a went for a rebound and Chris yeah. just took it from him, just took it <laughs> from him and all 112 pounds of embodied Gorgie to the ground and like goes up and, and puts it home. Like just so he can kind of, it's a different way that he can impact the game in those, those clutch situations. Yeah, I think if we're going to talk about these guys, by the way, if we're going to call them all freaks and we're talking about Giannis, this is going to be called freaks and Greeks. Just so you know. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I don't, I don't even know when we've had a wave and I think about maybe LeBron's draft class is the last time we had maybe this many guys. And I'm not just going by class, but I'm saying that when LeBron's draft class came into the league, it seemed, it, to me it felt like a game-changing wave of players was showing up. I didn't know Wade was going to end up being the champion and, and all-star he was. But you look at Bosh, uh, LeBron, Mello. you know, I, I include Carmelo in that list absolutely yeah. um dark Darko Darko Milicic. Milicic. okay never mind but i mean there, <laughs> there's just you know like the the feeling that we're watching the next generation of not just stars but superstars sticks out to me Car- carl anthony towns think about this now he joins kevin durant and Shaq as the only players in the last 30 seasons to get 45 15 45 and 15 in a game before the age of 22 I mean, when you start doing stuff that only Shaq and maybe one other person has done the last three decades, it makes me think, you know, we're dealing with something not just special but transcendent. And and I got in an argument last week with people. Um, they posed a question to us on game time. Who do you think you would – or who's the guy you'd build your team around between Anthony Davis, 
in Carl Anthony Towns. And I said, I, I qualified. I said, listen, this is by the narrowest of margins, a razor thin margin. I said, I would take Cat. And of course, Anthony Davis went out and got like, you know, 40 something and whatever. <laughs> and people, are, yeah, you big dummy, you know. They're, they're all in that same boat to me, though. They're all in that group of guys who could change the way we look at the game. Who called you, you big dummy? Were you arguing with Ann Esther? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you know how it is. People are always, you know, shooting holes in whatever you say or write or whatever. And I was yeah. like, of course, Anthony Davis will go out the next day and, you know, and, and put up one of those crazy stat lines. But Zach's a good person to ask because you write about the Wolves and, you know, have the, the blog with the Wolf Among Wolves. Or, yeah. Um, so, so as a Wolves watcher, what, I mean, do you are you required to choose Cat in that discussion? I think I, I would say that if you could guarantee me relative health, I might yeah. take Embiid over all of them because I do oh. think Embiid is that special. Um, and I kind of thought that since you know that that infamous workout he had in L.A. before the draft, uh, before you know he broke everything in his body, but um, but you know Joel's the one guy that makes me think like oh he could destroy everybody in this league but yeah i would take cat and i think you have to take cat not just because i like the timberwolves but because um because of the age factor right like yeah. he's he just turned 21 and, yeah. and and that you know being that good like is he as good as anthony davis now no probably not um but he's he's not that far off to where the the extra years in his career don't make a significant difference in yeah. the, in that conversation and so yeah like you're, you're going to say that, you know, Anthony Davis probably scores 50 tonight and makes us all look stupid, right? But, <laughs> uh, but that, but you live with that because the extra years and, and Cass just that good. And, you know, speaking to like, he's the first, like it's him, Shaq and, and Kevin yeah. Durant to put up 45 and 15 last year. He was the only, the only other rookies who ever put up his kind of numbers in their rookie season was Tim Duncan and Shaq. Right. Like he just keeps finding himself in these, in these categories, in these random like statistical categories of these hall of famers. I don't I'm not saying I'm going to enshrine cat today into the basketball hall of fame, but, but you know, tomorrow I will. Yeah. yeah when you see the trajectory, I mean, I think we can yeah. all look at it and see where these guys are headed. I mean, as of today, I mean, you know, Giannis turns 22, I think coming up, but as of right now, all these guys are 21 year olds. So, I mean, yeah. we're talking about, um, you know, traditionally three decades ago, a guy that was 21, might have been a guy who had been in college for two or three years. Right. These guys are doing it, and and they're still pups. I mean, they're, they're I, a year removed from college, from the one year of college they played in some instances, and in a year for Giannis, a, a couple years removed from playing what in the third division somewhere over in. I think he was just playing pickup ball. I think they just discovered him playing Greek pickup ball. Like that's it. Like you, watch, you watch some of that grainy fo- footage, and there there is no organization there at all. He's playing at the Athens <laughs> Rucker. I think this is you know what. <laughs> I think this is what Kevin Garnett has wrought because uh, now we have this huge wave of these guys who are in 20 years ago would have been forced to be power forwards or centers. Yeah. Um, and now they're all these guys have the ability to, to initiate the offense, to dribble, to, to go out and shoot from the perimeter. Um, it's funny to see like this whole generation of guys who are about the right age to have grown up watching Kevin Garnett their entire lives and yeah. thinking, Hey, I can play any position. I don't, I don't have to be a big guy and I don't have to be a boring player underneath the basket. I can do whatever I want out there. The far, first five or six years of K- KG's career. Remember he was a small forward. Yeah. Like he was, yeah. he was a six foot 13 small forward. <laughs> like that's just what he was. 
Well, because because he weighed 113 pounds, which is right. which is Porzingis to me. I'm the frightening thing about him, and Giannis to me has already added some of that muscle, not necessarily bulk, but muscle that yeah. we knew he needed to be a more effective player. And and Carl Anthony Towns to me doesn't have to get up to 280 to be as good as he's going to be. I think he could play at his current size for the next decade and still yeah. be every bit as effective as he is. But Porzingis is the one that's really scary to me because if he gets some meat on his bones and he can go and dominate you around the bucket the way he can stretch the floor and shoot from outside, he becomes a real nightmare at his height. I mean, because he towers over these other two guys. He's he's three a solid three inches taller than these other two guys. Hashtag muscle watch, by the way. <laughs> um, Hashtag muscle watch for sure. And also with with Chris Stapps, uh, you know, he I think he's on pace this season. Granted, it's early, but he's on pace to have like the second most threes made for a Knicks player in their franchise history in a season. And and I mean, that's already that's second year for a seven foot three guy. Like that's insane. Yeah, yeah. He's incredible to watch in person. Uh, I mean, he looks like. Somebody forgot to take the coat hanger out of the jersey, you know. Like I mean, he's just all angles, and he he's, looks like the, like the body isn't really even there at this point. But um, he's so durable, even at that size and and weight. And there was a play last night where he landed funny, and he kind of came up with a limp, and yeah. it looked like for a second I was like, oh boy, here we go. He's gonna, but he but he was fine. He stayed in the game and finished the game out and looked great. And um, he manages to kind of show up at the right moments too around the rim when you need him on both ends of the court. Like he had that block last night against uh, who was it, Zach? You remember where he swatted the ball off the floor and it bounced up in the air? Oh, um, I think that was uh, Shabazz Muhammad? Muhammad tried to dunk yeah. on him. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. So he he can come up big like around the rim defensively like that, or like we we talked about earlier when he bodied Gorgie Dang and yeah. Jang and threw him to the floor and got the ball. Um, you know, he 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 really is <laughs> pretty impressive, and he does things like that consistently enough that you think, well, okay, this isn't just a a, a freak. This is this is who he is, and this yeah. is what he's going to be for a long time. Let me ask you guys a question, and and I don't mean this to demean. Boy. His teammates. No, I'm serious. But how long before they, you know, Melo and these other guys, I feel like they see it like everybody else, but it's probably tough for them to admit it and to really commit to it. They need to – he needs to be the focus of what they do. And and I don't think there's any shame if you're Melo, even with all that you've done in your career. Derrick Rose, you've been an MVP. But don't they see, like – they're a better team and a more dangerous team when they play through Porzingis. Even if even if Melo gets the buckets late and is your is your finisher or whatever you want to call it, their best advantage is when Porzingis has his mismatch and can exploit it. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, not every time. Um, how many how many nights in a season will he have a, a matchup at his position where he's on the 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 wrong end of somebody's jab all night long. Well, every every position, every possession. But I mean, also you know, if that's the if they're going to go to him every time, they're just going to double him. Not every, every time. time. I'm just saying when they want to be when they want to be at their best, it's when he's when he's allowed to play the way we see we've seen him play here lately. But I also I also think at the end of games, often you know it becomes hero ball, right? And and that's not necessarily the best way to play basketball. But that's, that's the way that, it is. Yeah, that's what happens. But and, that's why you have Melo. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That 
that's not what Porzingis is great at. All these plays we're talking about that he did are things that happened in the flow of the game and right. where he's able to kind of just flash that freakish size and athleticism. But I think if you're if you're running an offense with you know 30 seconds to go and you need a bucket and the score is tied, I'm playing through Melo in that point of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's maybe how you sell it, too, if you're trying to kind of get Melo's ego right. in check or you know, get his, you know, what his priorities want to be with both winning and being a great individual player, you know, kind of in line. It's like, look, we're going to run, you're going to play off of Chris Stapps for the first 45 minutes of this game, and then if it's close late, you you'll have enough shots to be in a rhythm, and you, yeah. you bring us home, yeah. and you kind of just make him the closer. The Knicks have also been able to, and they've done this a couple times this year, um, there was a game against Brooklyn a couple of weeks ago at the Garden where they couldn't really get anything going in the first half. And then in the third quarter, they put Mello in with basically four bench players, not Porzingis, four other guys. And they just ran everything through Mello. And, and, and he scored like 10 points in a row. Um, and they kind of just the whole third quarter was was Mello spotlight. And then in the fourth quarter, they took him out and they put Porzingis in with those same four guys. And Porzingis had a run of like eight or ten points. So I, I think it's picking their spots a little bit and figuring out who's hot, who's not. But um, I, I do think that at the end of the game, I'm, I'm going through mellow. But I, I, I hear what you're saying, Seku, and there's times, sure, where – Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not look. saying you have to be so deliberate as to – I think we're done with that era of – for most teams, um, Russell yeah. Westbrook, you know, notwithstanding, where you, you force-feed the ball – to one guy night after night. I mean, that that would be foolish in a league where everybody gets figured out at some point. Every You know, everybody's weaknesses get exposed. The scouting report is going to be there to, to tell you exactly what a guy likes to do at a certain time in the game with the ball on a certain part of the court, which hand he wants to go to. I mean, all that. There's so much minutia you can drill down into to figure out how to play guys. But the fact is – I'm saying over the long haul, and, and I like what – I'll give you a perfect example. I like what Jason Kidd has done with Giannis, the idea that they would play through him with the ball in his hands, but not to the point where he becomes a detriment to his teammates. I mean, he's he's touching every box. He's, he's facilitating for other guys. He's going out and killing it, you know, scoring career highs, it's, you know, rebounds, block, taking advantage of everything that he can do. And I'm just saying that for the Knicks – We've seen teams play through Carmelo, you know, as as a theme, as, as how they are constructed, Lang. And I'm saying at this point, I think it would benefit not only Carmelo but the Knicks for him to play a different role, to to maybe do some of what um, some of his contemporaries have done. Like I, I love the way Dwayne Wade is playing in Chicago right now with Jimmy Butler. Um, and I just feel like if Carmelo played more of that kind of role, the Knicks would be better. Maybe so. I mean, the Bucks are also a 500 team, you know. Um, I think the Knicks probably have the capability to be a little bit better than that. It's also mm-hmm. like, are you thinking of the future? Or are you thinking about winning now? And, yeah. you know, I think we've seen the Knicks with the moves they made over the summer seem to be uh, thinking about winning now. Um, and I don't know if playing through Porzingis uh, is your best option if that's the case. Yeah. So. I, don't, I don't know, Zach. Do you think do you think we we need to maybe tap the brakes a little bit too in terms of what's expected of these guys, all of these guys, you know, Porzingis, Cat? Because you know, you think about it, Minnesota. It's not like they're winning at a at a high clip. Cat's doing amazing things, you know, um, but it's not like it's translated into them being in in the playoff chase or in the top of the standings or anything. 
Right. I mean, I think that individual, I think that's the tough thing with, with guys who are so young and maybe this does end up shifting and changing our mindset uh, because guys are so, are becoming so great at such a young age and so little experience in the NBA. Um, But I think individually you can expect these things out of them, but I don't think it necessarily translates to victories because we do see how important, you know, veteran leadership and that teammate who can kind of pull you through this situation of like, look, this is what has been happening. This is what has always happened in the past in these situations. This is what we need to work towards to make this work. And the Timberwolves don't really have that right now. Yeah. You know, the 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 Knicks have a lot of veterans um, who can kind of help Chris Stapps. And, and Chris Stapps isn't the main guy. Carmelo is the main guy. So that, that also, you know, kind of eases his transition into being on a successful team. Whereas with the Timberwolves, their most veteran guy is like Cole Aldrich, Brandon <laughs> Rush, Ricky Rubio, who, you know, hasn't been on a lot of winning teams in the NBA. I mean, they just don't have that. Like they're, they're kind of hoping that Tom Thibodeau is that veteran presence, which right. I don't, you know, that's, that's tough right. for such a young group. I mean, when, when Rubio was out their their starting lineup with Chris Dunn in it, uh, average 22 years old. Right. The only other team in the league with a, within a starting lineup that young was the Phoenix Suns also at 22 years old. Yeah. Now, how many wins do we expect out of the Suns in that situation? Right. And I'm not saying it's, it's that easy to just project across based on, you know, age and experience that the Timberwolves should have a better record than they have right now. But we do kind of discount every once in a while these young teams and, and get reminded of like, look, experience in this league matters so much for figuring out how to get out of those bad runs in the middle of the third quarter and all that stuff, you know, and and if you don't have that, then you're kind of just trial by fire and a lot of guys get burned. Yeah, right. I'm, one, I'm wondering, you know, I always think about previous eras and like players who were great players who kind of got sandwiched between certain eras like you know you think about to me Vince Carter and and Tracy McGrady those guys were all you know kind of pegged as the the next generation next or whatever you know along with Kobe um Grant Hill yeah and I mean there's just like players who get caught between transcendent eras of greatness in the league and I'm wondering Who's I know what get... you're leading. I know what you're leading up to here. What? Josh. Josh Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Smith taking 18 threes in China. He no. was. He was. He, he led up to these guys we see now. That's yeah. what you're saying. Right? I'm just saying. I'm wondering who who gets kind of squeezed. You know, not sacrificed between, almost. You know, between between, between KG and these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it is Anthony Davis, right? And and it's way too early to to kind of saddle him with a losing career or whatever. Right, but, right. Uh, but he isn't in a great situation in New Orleans, yeah. and I don't know how much better it can get immediately, even if they you know replace Dell Demps and get new leadership in in the front office to mm-hmm. to rebuild around Anthony Davis. Uh, luckily for them, you know, he signed through twenty twenty one, so there's not like this impending oh he's going to leave us right. um, clock ticking away. But yeah, I mean. Is that unfair to just kind of saddle him with? All right, well now you're going to be the kind of forgotten <laughs> career. I mean, he's a, he's crazy. Like he's he's a ridiculous he's a specimen that we've yeah. never seen before. Yeah, I mean, freaks and Greeks, like Lang said. Like he, <laughs> he's one of the freaks, and um, and I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's fair, but it does kind of seem to be at least moving that way for the next couple of years. I've got a I got a name I'll throw out that might be the the missing link between Kevin Garnett and these current guys. Mm-hmm. And I think he's already moved to kind of change the trajectory of his career. But what about Kevin Durant? Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I mean, it, it is kind of crazy to think, like, what is this, his 10th year? Yeah. yeah. Does it feel like he's been in the league 10 years? It kind of feels like he's still one of the young guys. I know. But, uh, I know. but you know, it's been a decade. 
And I mean, he, I mean, he won an MVP. He's, he's been to the finals. I mean, he's done right. a lot of things. Yeah. I'm just saying he might be that guy who kind of comes between those two. And I, maybe that's part of why he, he went to Golden State right. to shake things up and, and try to change the way things were going. And, that, uh, and that's another thing that you can kind of tie back to KG. Like KG was that guy yep. that we were like, well, he did spend 12 years in, in Minnesota. <laughs> and now, you know, now he gets to go, you know, he granted it was a trade, but he, he blocked an initial trade to the Celtics right. that, yep. that same summer. So it's kind of like, oh, well, now he's looking out for his legacy. He's going to get in a good situation and win a bunch of titles. He won one, but it seems like that kind of reminded people like LeBron and Wade and Bosh and Melo and you know all these guys who come after and Kevin Durant of like, eh, maybe don't waste a decade in a place where you haven't won a championship. But, you know, It's okay to look out for your legacy if that's all we're judging you on. Absolutely, and I, I didn't have a problem – with you know, initially with LeBron deciding to leave Cleveland, Durant deciding to leave Oklahoma, that that hasn't bothered me one bit. Um, guys going to try and chase titles. I, I think I, I Lang and I t- went over this repeatedly on the podcast here that I thought Durant made it infinitely tougher on himself by going to Golden State because now if he doesn't win, it's seen as even more of a colossal disappointment. If he doesn't win championships with with the Warriors, then then if he'd have stayed in Oklahoma City forever and never right. won a championship, well, I I kind of have a, a thought along those same lines. I wonder what you guys think of. I actually think it, it's a it's a tougher road for him. Yes, now it's an easier road to get a title, and I, and yeah. I think even even if he wins a title, it will be oh yeah, look at the team he's on. Exactly. Of course, he's going to win a title. But you by making this. It's different than winning uh, than getting a title in OKC. You do have to win three or four titles with the Golden State Warriors in order to justify it. And we saw, like, you know, how good was that team in Miami? And LeBron won two. Yeah, they went two and two. You know, and, and two's not bad. I'm yeah. not I'm not knocking him for only winning two. Um, but that's the standard for what you have to do to kind of um, put these critics, you know, off to the side. It becomes that much harder, and it's just in NBA history, even on the loaded teams, it's hard to win multiple titles in a row. Every, you know, we've had a lot of great teams not be able to do that. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I don't know if he does need to win multiple titles with the Warriors because I kind of feel like KG won one, and and all of a sudden he, he he's got it. Yeah, he, but KG yeah. went at a, a much different stage of his career to me than Durant, even though the years are close. KG never had. He wasn't as close. Yeah, well, they, in Minnesota, I mean, they had that they had that one run where they went to the conference finals, but it wasn't coming off of that that he left. Yeah, you know but I, they, mean? I mean that was the one year they made it out of the first round. Right. Yeah. The Thunder went to a finals, you know, made it deep a couple other times, you know, and had injury issues that that sidetracked them. But I, I tend to think that Durant's going to need more than one to make that move. You know, historically, when we look back on it, you say. He parted ways with Russ to go chase championships, and all they got out of it was one. That would be hard to. Right. That that would be tough for me to look at it and say, yeah, he. Not that he made the right or wrong move, but man, it was worth all the crap he took to make that move to only end up with one championship. Right. So I, you know, again, we're you th- you think about the league, and I always look back on it like you know, f- to me, you need some distance, you know, five yeah. to ten years from whatever went on to really look at it and say. I mean, think about the the legacies players would have had if some of these things don't happen. What's what's the Heat's legacy if they never get LeBron and Bosh and they don't end up with four straight trips and two more titles? I mean, what's Paul Pierce's legacy if that trade never, you know, they never get all that stuff done and win a championship? And they won a championship and then competed in the East. They were East powerhouse for years after that. 
you know, they, they were the team to me that was like in the way of LeBron getting over the hump and getting to a championship level. So I don't, you know, I don't know how to look years from now for, for Durant, depending on how many championships they win. But I think they need multiple, not only for his legacy, but for Steph's and, and the Warriors, you know, in general. I think they need – this era will require more than just w- one more championship from that group. Right. Well, it might, but, I, you know, I I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I kind of feel like he wins one, it'll be good. But, um, hey, I've been wrong before, Seku. No, you haven't. Come on. you. Oh, I don't believe that. Only in bragging rights. Um, There's no way. You know, and, and listen, Zach, I got to give – I got to give Lang a lot of credit because he always calls me out when I'm wrong. He makes sure oh, to boy. remind me that I blew it on, on Durant <laughs> and Greg Oden um, and Porzingis. He, I was, if you'd have heard me in Vegas trashing Porzingis, <laughs> to, to hear me praising him now is remarkable because I'm telling you, my first glimpse of him was I was, I thought he was just brutal. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine a guy going from where he, what he looked like in his first steps at summer league to what he looks like now. I had a better feeling about Giannis. I thought Giannis was such a, an athletic freak that there was no way he wasn't going to be a good player. I, you know, I didn't know if his ceiling was superstar, all-star, whatever, but I, I felt better about him. Carl Anthony Towns, I haven't had any doubts about from the, you know, since he was yeah, 16. He, like the first time I saw him, I thought to myself, yeah. this dude's a star. He's been playing with like the Dominican national teams yeah. in high school, so like right. I mean, he was clearly a, a a player who was able to play on that level. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been convinced from the first moment I saw him that he's ticketed for something bigger than just being a good NBA player. Well, yeah. I'm just I'm just glad that Lang never heard me say that Ben McLemore was the sure thing in the 2013 <laughs> draft because he would never let me hear the end of <laughs> exactly. It. He'd be, anytime, uh, anytime someone's either the sure thing or the most NBA ready, it's never a good. Never a good <laughs> it's thing. never good. No. That's a, that's a, you know, that career is just going to go down the toilet at some point. <laughs> I, you know, and you, you bring up a funny point, like about guys like that. I always wonder what it is that keeps a guy from, from breaking through. Like I, I would tell you that from talking to people who have coached him, played with him, the thing that sets Carl Anthony Towns apart is not that he's seven feet tall and has that wingspan and all that, you know, natural athletic talent. It's the stories I hear about are how much he works, and what and how nasty he is, like the the KG in him, and you know. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, I was at a, I was at a hotel gym in uh, in Petaluma, California, Bay Area, mm-hmm. uh, for this 2K event, and uh, and I walk into the hotel gym, and Carl Anthony Towns is in there, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't want to bother him, so I you know, we know each other a little bit, and so. Mm-hmm. I went and, you know, got on an elliptical machine. He walks over and say, what's up? I said, oh, I didn't want to bother you. And he's like, well, I'm at the end of my workout anyway. I was like, oh, cool. So I'll work out and then he'll leave in a couple minutes or whatever. I worked out for about 35 minutes. We left the gym at the same time. Like that was like my entire workout. And granted, was not his cool down. Shape. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. his cool down. And he, was, and he was working a lot harder in his cool down than I was working <laughs> my, my full workout. I heard a story one time when Kevin Durant was in his, you know, first steps in the league. And uh, he and Jeff Green were in Vegas when Team USA was working out. And this is when Kobe was, you know, at his zenith and doing all his stuff. And apparently it was a Friday night, and everybody else was out on the strip hanging out, doing whatever. And Kobe was at one end of the gym. And an assistant GM from Oklahoma City, I guess, toted Durant and Jeff Green to the gym. And, they, you know, they walked in, 
And they were just going to get like a nice light workout. And they said they looked down at the other end. And Kobe was like sweating like he was playing in game seven of the finals. And so Durant and Jeff Green decided, they, you know, like, hey, we're going to get a workout in like Kobe's. And they, they stayed in the gym for like an hour and 15 minutes, getting shots up, doing whatever. Said so when they sat down on the bleachers, drinking their Gatorade, and they looked up and Kobe was still right. going through his workout. And it's like, to me, that that's what separates great players from Hall of Fame players. Like, you know, that extra incentive to continue grinding, even when you've made it. Like, Kobe had no reason then to be working his tail off other than he's Kobe Bryant. He's crazy. And he wants to be the greatest thing yeah, to right. ever hit a, you know, ever hit the floor. <laughs> Kobe was always a maniac. We yeah. knew that that was part of the deal. <laughs> and I'm saying, I, I just love that about some of these guys specifically. Like I'd heard stories that Joel Embiid at Kansas was kind of, he wasn't sure how good he was. So he didn't operate like a guy who thought he was going to be a great player or was going to work like a guy who's trying to become a transcendent player. To me, him sitting out the way he has the past couple of years has kind of changed his attitude. I read I read a, a nice piece somebody did about him where they were talking about how the time off kind of mm-hmm. lit a fire under him and made him want to be great and made him want to work at a different level. And, I, you know, of course, he's on a damn minutes restriction, so we only get to see him right. t- now 28 minutes a night or whatever and sometimes every other night. But I feel good about the attitude all these young guys have like this group of, you know, future players we're talking about. I like that they have that old school grind in them and they don't seem like guys who really, I feel like there was an era of players who were riding off talent, but weren't grinding the way that these, some of these guys are. Right. And I'm, I'm not going to say names cause I don't want to get in trouble with anybody <laughs> we might want to have on the podcast. Here, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking. You're talking about Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, look, it's 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 fun for me. Um, after all these years, after 17 years running around the league, it's fun to see the next group come in. It reminds me of how how damn old I am. Um, <laughs> that you know that I could watch guys come into the league and leave and be there for the entire span of their careers. Long you know, future Hall of Fame careers. But I do like being able to see the puzzle pieces, to you know, fit together from when LeBron and his generation came in to now we know the game's in good hands moving forward if these guys keep working and continue to progress and grow and develop the way we think they can. Hey, Seku, while, while we have Zach here, yeah. uh, I'm going to swerve off topic a little bit uh, because Zach and I have a little history going back, I think, some people might have heard us do podcasts about some of our favorite terrible movies. Independence, mm-hmm. Independence Day, right? Yeah, we did. We've done. That's the one probably we're most famous for. We did them both. Independence Day and yeah, and the sequel, recent, the most recent. I sequel. didn't like the sequel, by the way. Neither do we. Okay, um, no, it was not it was a fan. Not it was terrible. Not a so fan. I just figured while we had Zach, I would ask you, what's the most recent awesome terrible movie you've seen? <laughs> oh man. Um... Well, I, I I don't have a movie that really comes to mind, but I can tell you of a conversation that happened between my parents at Thanksgiving, <laughs> where my mom said, my mom asked my dad, "What was that awful movie?" And she used a little bit more a little bit more colorful language than that. She said, "What was that awful movie you just made me watch?" And he said, "Killer Clowns from Outer Space." And she was like, "Yep, that's the one." And that's 
like any any doubt that I like any chance that I thought like oh maybe I'm adopted or something like maybe these aren't my real parents like no that was that was confirmation right there like it it definitely runs in my family and my dad to this day will defend his decision to take our family back in like 1996 to a, a viewing of Hard Rain starring Christian oh, Slater man. and Morgan Freeman that is That's a classic. It's not a good movie. Horrible. <laughs> it's a class. It's a classic, but it's not a good movie. Uh, but he defends that decision to this day. He loves that movie. For, for a second, I thought Hard Rain was the movie that they were making in Bowfinger. <laughs> <laughs> That's Chubby Rain. I remember. I love Bowfinger. Bowfinger is amazing. <laughs> That's a great movie. Oh, I love that yeah. movie. Listen, well, I was I was just in Denver with with Seku, and um, I was pretty excited because the flight out was you know it's like a four-hour flight from new york to denver and and i got the the first class upgrade thanks to my sky miles so i was and i, I knew they had tv screens so i was like oh great i like i can bang out a couple of movies on this flight um i get in the get on the plane and the movies were all just terrible and it was like new releases but there was nothing i wanted to see on there um but i, I did watch part of that movie bfg right which is uh, it's a kid's movie about a giant Directed by Steven Spielberg. So I was like, you know, Spielberg directed this. It, it can't be terrible. Yeah. Let me tell you, that movie is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible. Don't watch it. No, that, I, I can top all of that right now. On the, on the flight back from Denver, <laughs> it was a two-hour and 15-minute flight. And I'm like, uh, usually I go to sleep. So I was like, I go to bed. But I decided to stay up, and I scanned the movies. And they're all free on Delta, right? Yep. And they're and all terrible right now. Horrible. So you can <laughs> look this. It's literally, you can look this one up. I, and I do the thing where you know you look at the info. There's a movie, a Japanese movie called Terraformers, and this is no lie. It's about it's a it's a Japanese sci-fi movie about uh, some some guy in 2599 shipping <laughs> cockroaches to Mars so they can make Mars inhabitable. They sent moss and cockroaches and t- like. No, wait a minute. And then, like, 50 years later, they send a group of, like, cast-offs. You know, some Yakuza members, uh, you know, a disgraced cop, two thieves. You watch this movie or you just... You no, I swear, I watched the first, like, 30 minutes before I had to stop it. It's called Terraformers. And yeah, when they get... Just, when they Seriously, look it up. When they get there... I just there, found the trailer online. Yeah. When they get there, the cockroaches are biggest Transformers. Like, they they got accelerated. They're, they're you know... DNA or whatever got accelerated to where they go from being just run-of-the-mill cockroaches you find, you know, when you flick a light on in the hood to seven feet tall, super fast, transformer-like cockroaches. And the the dude sitting next to me, he, like, I flicked it on at my seat. And he's I can see him looking over to see what the movie is. And, like, he's laughing, <laughs> watching over my shoulder. And I was just, I kept shaking my hands like, is this serious? Like, the, the people are dressed up like stormtroopers without helmets. They fly on a spaceship to Mars and get dist- I'm, I'm not trying to find they get annihilated by giant cockroaches. And I thought to myself, whoever greens like whoever green lights movies in Hollywood, like whoever's job that is, I want it. Because I guarantee you I could come up with something better than Terraformers. Starship Troopers should sue for one. <laughs> uh, that, that seems like copyright infringement. And two, was the disgraced cop played by Steven Seagal or Nicolas Cage? <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and I thought to myself, somebody somewhere thought this was a good idea. I will say, I'll say, uh, I made it through about an hour of Gods of Egypt. Yes, um, that's if horrible. You can make, if you can make it past an hour of that, I yeah. think you deserve some kind of medal because that's a really, that's a really unfortunate movie. No, that that movie's horrible. 
I did see that my wife and I were trying to find a watch a movie to watch the other night on on demand, and we watched the trailer for that. There's a Nicolas Cage movie where he plays the guy who goes over to uh, to the I think to Pakistan and tries to catch Bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's a he's just a guy like a, some guy who like owns a business in what? Washington or something, and he gets a big. It's a, based on a true story. Remember they arrested a guy somewhere over there who who yeah, was it's wandering army around of, the woods. Army of one. Yeah, yeah, the trailer's yeah. incredible. You should the trailer's hilarious. The movie's directed by Larry David, who like produced and directed a bunch of the Seinfeld <laughs> episodes. Wait, not Larry David, Larry Charles. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say. Oh, okay. It's, it's directed what? By, by, but Larry Charles produced Seinfeld and directed Seinfeld and Borat the movie. Um, so the movie might actually be kind of good. I, I, I was waiting. I'm hoping no. that one shows up soon. On I'm not going to pay for it. No, uh, <laughs> to watch uh, on demand. But who does Nicolas Cage have? What does he I'll have absolutely. on Hollywood that he keeps making movies? He's amazing. What are you talking about? He, he owes a lot in taxes, back taxes. That's what he has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got to keep he working. It's what, it's what they have on him. It's unbelievable yeah. how many movies he's in, though. Yeah. And he's terrible. Well, no, take that back. No, he's horrible. Come on, he's horrible. Nicholas oh. Cage is an American treasure. Oh, my God. You guys are crazy. I did make. I made my family a couple years ago, so I really am my, my father's son. I made my family for Christmas uh, watch Left Behind, which is like <laughs> sort of like a religious movie, but Nick Cage yeah. is – is the pilot in it? And it's kind of like this oh, uh, end of the world type scenario. Um, I wouldn't say they were happy with me for making them watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, we got we got to. Uh, I got to go back and listen to some of these podcasts I did about movies, and we got to we got to get you back on Zach to talk movies one time, where we just go through a list of like the worst movies of the last thirty years. I'm way Zach, better at talking movies than I am at talking basketball. <laughs> Zach and I used to try to do them around the holidays, so maybe next time there's a, I guess Christmas is coming up, but something after that in the, uh, you know, down the road we'll we'll pick a holiday and do a special. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. this 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 is actually a good movie season. Um, from what I can tell, from looking at the trailers, there's going to be some decent stuff this Christmas. Thank goodness. Um, Zach Harper, hanging out with us on the Hangtime Podcast, man. We appreciate it. In uh, enjoy Salt Lake City. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Going from one genius mind to another. This week with the Schumann stat here on the Hangtime Podcast. Shoot, what's up and what do you got going on? By the way, are you recovered from uh, your tryptophan coma from Thanksgiving? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And I'm I'll, I'll still uh, basking in the globe. The Hokies win over the uh, I knew you're gonna bring that Wolverines. In. We gave the game away. Everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. We gave it away. What are you guys talking about? College basketball? College hoops. Shoe, Shoe, of course, is the only Virginia Tech fan on the planet that I know. So if Virginia Tech ever beats Michigan in anything, he sends me a, he sends me a text. So I Shout out Malcolm Delaney. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Delaney's having a good season, by the way. Yeah. He is. Um, all right, so I got a trivia question for you guys. Stats trivia. Stats trivia. Uh-oh. All right. Through Wednesday, there are – 13 players who have shot 70% or better on at least 50 attempts in the restricted area. So at the basket, they've been very very good finishers. Mm-hmm. There's also 33 players who have shot 40% or better from three-point range. Yeah. Uh, two players are in both groups. Can you name them? Um, one of them's probably Boogie Cousins. Nope. No. Oh. Cause he's, what's he shooting from three point? He's shooting great, right? Uh, Wait a minute. Question. He's Let's... not 
he's not in either group actually. <laughs> let us let's hold on. Let's Thanks. let's keep get let's let's get our two lane. Let's get two of these. I'm gonna say Steph Curry is one of them. He's shooting thirty nine percent of the Incorrect. All right. Incorrect. Steph Curry is not finish, right? quite there on on restricted. We're not area. restricted yeah. yet. Dang it. Um, okay. How about how about uh, how Joel and Bead? Nope. How many guesses do we get before you hit the buzzer? Couple I'll give more. you some hints. There's one. It's one Eastern Conference player, one Western Conference player. Let me let me ask like this: Is is it? Uh, my, I'm, I'm guessing Seku. Maybe mm. we should talk about this. I'm thinking it's a big guy because I'm thinking he's got to be able to finish in the paint, and little guys normally can't do that. Right. So I'm thinking it must be a big guy who can drift out and hit some threes. Both guys are yeah. really tall. One, one. Well, the Western Conference player is in the top ten in scoring. That's that's mm. like everybody, but like James Isaiah Harden? Thomas and he said he's really, James, they're really James tall. Harden. James Harden. Nope. Kevin James Durant. Harden. Kevin Durant. Correct. Yes. Yes. Number one. Yes. Number one shooter in the restricted area at eighty-three percent. Wow. And eleventh among players with at least fifty-three point attempts at forty-four percent. Okay. This guy is lower than Kevin Durant in both of those things. Mm. But he plays in the Eastern Conference player. Eastern Conference player. Nope. I'll give you another hint. Atlantic Division. Atlantic Division. Porzingis. Look at Seku. Look at the man. (laughs) Shoot, you ought to see you, you ought to see my bragging rights uh, record right now. I guarantee you, this is all it's all coming together, baby. Porzingis seventy three percent in the restricted area on seventy one attempts. That's fifth among players with at least fifty. Wow. And forty one percent on threes. Thirtieth among uh, players with at least fifty attempts. It was a dead giveaway when you said they were tall. I knew right away. <laughs> I, I just don't want to. <laughs> I went right to the well, baby. Taller than me. That's your hint. They are both taller than me. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm having a hard time too this week keeping some of these guys off the MVP list. I mean, seriously. And and I don't. Yeah, you, you, I don't, you trolled I don't me last week about putting Drew Holiday on. Uh... <laughs> that was kind of a joke. Was, I know, but I'm serious. Pelicans were like three and zero at the time. But I mean, you know, Porzingis' team is playing decent. Hey. I put Jeremy Lin on the MVP ladder once, when he was in the at the height of Lin sanity. He made the he made the MVP race. So uh, well, anyway, so I will say as a as a sort of a postscript on this, mm-hmm. Durant is just ridiculously shooting from every area of the yeah. floor. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this about Durant: he is, as we said, one of thirteen players shooting seventy percent in the restricted area on at least fifty attempts. One of twelve players shooting forty five percent on a at least 50 shots elsewhere in the paint. One one of four players shooting 50% on at least 50 mid-range shots, and one of 12 players shooting 44% or better on 53s. So Durant is ridiculous, and Porzingis is re- great in the in the, at the basket and from three. You just want him to cut down some sort of the shots in the middle, and he could be ridiculously efficient. Right. So if he can cut down some of his mid-range stuff, he can be, you know, one of the best scorers in the league. So the simple but complex brilliance of what you bring to us today is that Kevin Durant's really good. Yeah, I think he fits in pretty like well it. in that Warriors offense. <laughs> I like it. I like that. Yeah. Keep it simple, baby. John Schumann, the stat man himself, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Appreciate it. Shoot next week. Come with something tougher. I got that in no time. Right, Would it take me two minutes to guess that? <laughs> yeah, everybody go check out the new uh, NBA.com stat site. NBA.com slash stats. Go check it out. A much cleaner navigation 
some cool tools where you can watch every shot that every guy has taken this season. So go check it out. No doubt. Appreciate it, Shu. All right, fellas. Later. I do. Thanks, Sean. I think some of John Schumann's genius is rubbing off on me, and if you don't believe it, check out Bragging Rights this week. It's time for Bragging Rights as the guys put their rep on the line. One of us has a rep, and one of us is chasing the rep. <laughs> one of us has a rap. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I'm reading this correctly, John, I, I am unblemished in bragging rights this year. Correct. All right, I want to stop it now. Let's just – I'm done. Give me the crown. Let's be let's be done with bragging rights. We're two weeks in, man. <laughs> and I also believe you're only uh, a game ahead of me. Hey, don't get technical. Two games? Yeah, don't get technical. Seku 6-0, and Lang's 4-2. Winning is winning, baby. All right, what What's we got up? this week? So this week we're going all Monday. It's an 11-game night. Start off with Cavs at Raptors. Cavs. Uh-huh. I'm going Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I think Cleveland also. All right, then NBA TV, Celtics at Rockets. Ooh, I'll take the Rockets. That, that could be entertaining. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Boston. All right, then finally, league pass, Blazers at Bulls. Mm. Mm, I'm going Chicago. I am too. Are we are we disappointed in Portland this season? I'm not disappointed so much as I'm a little surprised that they haven't been better than they brought it. Last yeah, year. I mean, I, I just thought they'd be a better defensive team than they've been. This season. They've been really bad defensively. And they, yeah, and they haven't shown any kind of fight on defensive. And they're like, hey, we, no, I mean, we're just trying to outscore people because we got Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I, don't, I think that's a, I think that's fool's goal. Um, right. But, yeah, that, that'll work. Um, again, perfection feels better than anything. Uh, so I, I'm loving my – I'm going to print this out and frame it, my two-week bragging rights record of six. I don't think anybody's ever been undefeated two weeks into bragging rights, Lang. I don't think anyone's ever won the championship after two weeks either. Well, there you. you go, getting technical again. Anyway, we appreciate uh, our man Zach Harper joining us on the Hangtime Podcast this week. John Schumann, as usual, with his stats info. And don't forget to check out the, the new stats site on NBA.com. Otherwise, John will uh, get into your computer and drop a few viruses on you. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Make sure you leave a glowing review. Tell everybody how much you love it. And don't forget, there's a new episode every Thursday of the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna